Welcome to Disrupting Japan, straight talk from Japan's most successful entrepreneurs. I'm Tim Romero, and thanks for joining me. I've got another great Disrupting Japan Select Show this week, and it's going to help answer one of the most important questions I get about innovation in Japanese startups. A lot of people, particularly Westerners, will claim that they don't see much innovation going on in Japanese startups. That even the most successful ones have products and business models that are similar to existing firms, and that the vast majority are simply copies of another startup with maybe one or two small differences. Well, you know something? They're right. It's completely true. Few Japanese startups are really innovative, and most are highly derivative. But, but, there are some very important contexts you need to know if you really understand why this is true. The truth is, almost all startups everywhere are highly derivative and are simply copying another company's business model. No one who has spent time in San Francisco and seen all the absolute nonsense that gets funded there would claim that most San Francisco startups are innovative or worthwhile. No, no, no. It's only a very small percentage. But those small percentage of successful startups are the only ones we hear about outside of Silicon Valley. It's simple survivorship bias. Well, with the added effect of the survivors having huge marketing and PR budgets to tell the whole world how innovative they are. But innovation is important. And when I get asked to name what sectors of the Japanese economy we are likely to find significant startup innovation, I usually point to elder care and the Internet of Things. Well, today's guest, Atsushi Nakanishi, is at the intersection of both of those categories. And their D-free device is now being used in nursing homes and hospitals all over Japan. Now, I'll, I'll give you an update after the show, but for now... Sit back and enjoy a great conversation about IoT and the future of poop. This is a milestone episode of Disrupting Japan. Hemingway only published 19 novels. Shakespeare only wrote 37 plays. Mozart only composed 41 symphonies. But as of today, Disrupting Japan has released 50 episodes. When I started this podcast, I never imagined that it would grow into what it is today. And I want to thank you for listening and for your support. And also to let you know that we have some big things planned in the near future as well. Before we get started with today's episode, however, I want to give you an update on the Crowdsourcing My Career project, where I asked you, the Disrupting Japan listeners, for advice on what I should do next in my career. I received 82 emails with ideas ranging from come and join my startup to working for VCs or consulting firms, to some very interesting consulting ideas. Oh, and one multi-level marketing pitch. I still haven't fully decided on what I'm doing next, but I appreciate all the creative feedback, and I tried to be certain to answer all of the emails individually, except for the multi-level marketing guy. Screw that guy. Anyway, on with the show. Today, we're going to be talking about poop. Yes, you heard me correctly. 
We'll be sitting down with Atsushi Nakanishi, CEO and maker of D-Free, an Internet of Things device that monitors your bowels and lets you know when you need to go to the bathroom. Wait, wait. Stop rolling your eyes. This is not a stupid application. This is not proof that there is way too much money being spent on startups. This is real. There are millions of people who, because of disability or disease, cannot regulate themselves, and a device like D-Free could be literally life-changing for them. Atsushi and his team are trying to build something genuinely new and have taken a rather unique path to get to where they are. In fact, as you'll hear in the interview, the team has really suffered and struggled for their goals. And in that spirit of seriousness, I'm going to try to get all the way through this episode without a single instance of scatological humor. But the longer I keep talking, the more difficult that's going to be. So let's get right to the interview. Cheers. 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 So I'm sitting here with Atsushi Nakanishi, CEO of Triple W Japan and maker of D-Free. Yeah. So thanks for sitting down. <laughs> yeah. Why don't, before we get started, why don't you explain what D-Free is? Because it's a pretty amazing device. Yeah. Uh, D-Free is a wearable device that will let you know when you need to go to the bathroom before you even realize it. The technology is uh, based on ultrasound. Before we get too far into it, uh -huh. you got to explain, because every time I've explained this company, this product to people, the uh -huh. first reaction they have is, this is the stupidest use for technology <laughs> I've ever heard of. Yeah. So who really needs D-Free? Who needs to be told uh -huh. when they have to go to the bathroom? Uh -huh. There are out of users, like for incontinence and elderly people, we are getting huge inquiry to get uh, D-Free all over the world. Mainly, they are caretakers or families who have uh, dementia parents. Like so they're, they're caring for parents with yeah, dementia yeah, yeah. or who can no longer control themselves. Yeah, yeah. That is a huge, yeah, number, yeah. A huge number of people. Yeah, so yeah. Um, I guess people with like Crohn's disease. Uh-huh, um, yeah, yes. All kinds of, of people taking medication that lead to incontinence. It's a huge market. Mm -hmm. And spinal damage. Spinal, spinal damage. Yeah, spinal damage. Of course. Just, yeah. Even though the first reaction is this is silly, mm -hmm. yeah. it's not. It's a huge market with a yeah. real need. So if I understand it correctly, D-Free, mm -hmm. which is a device, which we've got right here, but mm -hmm. it's an audio podcast. Mm -hmm. <laughs> It's uh, about the size of a matchbox. That's right. That's right. And it, it's worn on the, the stomach uh -huh, of the user, yes. and it uses ultrasound mm -hmm. to see how things are moving through the bowels. Uh -huh. As well as uh, changing size of blood there. So we predict urination as well. Okay. How much warning does D-Free give? Users can set the time. So, okay. like an uh, alarm? So, it can tell someone if they have 10 minutes more or mm -hmm. 5 minutes more. Mm -hmm. or... Really? But the accuracy is uh, changing. So, it's more accurate for shorter periods? Yes. Or... yes ah, okay. So, how big is this market in Japan? We focus on adult diaper market as a first. Okay. So, uh, in Japan, 
uh, 1.8 billion dollars. The adult diaper market is 1.8 billion. Yeah, yeah. How does that translate into like the number of potential consumers? Consumer is about 4 million. People. About 4 million in Japan. In Japan, yeah. Okay, that's not a small market. Yes, yes, that's right. <laughs> Excellent. I find this kind of technology coming out of Japan to mm -hmm. be particularly interesting mm -hmm. because the population of Europe and America, mm -hmm. they'll be hitting the same type of aging profile mm -hmm. in 10 years and 20 years that Japan mm -hmm. is hitting right now. Mm -hmm. It's a great chance for Japan to come up with technology for elderly care. Mm -hmm. But let's, let's back up a minute. The idea for DeFree started when you were studying in the U.S., right? That's right. University of California? Yes, yes. Rugby. I heard the story before, but do you want to <laughs> share it again? Cause it's... Yeah, okay. No problem. <laughs> uh, one day, when I moved to new apartment, uh -huh. uh, during that on the street, I pooped my pants. Just because you, you didn't have time to get to a bathroom or you ate something bad for lunch or what? Yeah, both, both, both. Both, both yeah. <laughs> Later, I ate a very hot ramen noodle with kimchi uh -huh. and a lot of chili. That'll yeah. do it. That'll yeah. Do it. yeah, yeah. Because the last night we had a kimchi hot pot party uh -huh. and uh, there were a lot of leftover uh, hot chili and kimchi. Okay. So, yeah. And I ate at uh, lunch, and I got uh, heavy diarrhea on the street. And so you just thought that there had to be some way technology could solve this problem? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so uh, I wanted to know when my poop was coming. Yeah. Again, it sounds like kind of a, a silly origin story. <laughs> yes, yes. But, but realistically, mm -hmm. this is not a simple goal. Mm -hmm. This is not something that you can get a couple of college students to put together a website for. This isn't something you can go out and buy parts on Alibaba mm -hmm. and, and put together a prototype. Mm -hmm. there, there's real complicated technology involved. Mm -hmm. So once you got the idea, mm -hmm. how did you put the team together? I'm not an engineer. Mm. By chance, I met CTO. Uh-huh. I asked, could you make prototype? You met yeah. him at Berkeley as well? He worked at the startup in San Francisco. Ah, okay, okay. So at first it was just the two of you putting mm -hmm. this together? Yes, yes. How big is the team today? Almost uh, members are my friend, high school friend or university friend. Mm -hmm. You know, it's interesting. I, f I find that's fairly common among mm -hmm. Japanese startups. Mm -hmm. In the U.S., it seems to be... Founders in their 20s, teens in their 20s, it's all people they met in college. Mm -hmm. Teens in their late 20s or 30s, it's almost always random people they met in other startups or in business. Mm -hmm. But in Japan, there's an awful lot of founders who pull together teams that they mm -hmm. knew in, in high school. <laughs> why, why do you think that is? In Japan, university program is not so busy. So a friend of university... One is work hard, uh, part-time. Part so part university job. students are not working together. They're yes, doing yes. part-time jobs and pursuing hobbies and things. Yes, yes. Okay. That's right. But in high school days, uh, we studied a lot and uh, take a time. We spent uh, a lot of time together. Mm -hmm. Well, that makes sense. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, if, if high school is a time where you're working together to solve 
difficult problems. Yes, yes. That's where you can find the the teammate you'll trust. Yes, yes. That's okay. Right. Mm-hmm. I first met you actually about uh, about one year ago. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Okay. You were presenting at the Pioneers Festival. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And you won, I believe. Yes, yes. Uh-huh. And you got a lot of attention uh-huh. after you first announced, not only because you're doing something new and unusual, but because uh-huh. journalists can't resist the opportunity to make poop jokes. Uh-huh. Yes. But let's talk about what's happened in the last year. Uh-huh. You know, what you've had to do to actually to build this company and to and make DeFree a reality. Uh-huh. This is a medical device. It's uh-huh. not a consumer social uh-huh. sharing uh-huh. app. Uh-huh. So how do you go about testing something like this? Uh-huh. Are, are trials expensive? To, uh-huh. Tell me about what's involved. DeFree is not a medical device. It's a consumer goods, electronic device like a smartphone. Okay, so this is not considered a medical device. Yes, yes, okay. that's right. It's easier than medical device for trials. At the first, we trial in our like friends and our team members as well. It's a, a very hard trial. Well, sure. I mean, like any startup, you, you have to convince your friends and everyone to start wearing this device and yeah, keeping and, uh, track of... <laughs> yeah, have a drug, laxative. Oh, wow, okay. And wearing diapers and uh, sleep uh, four days like that. You must have some really good friends. Yeah. You, sure. I think you owe sure. people a lot of favors at this point. Holy cow, sure. okay. Sure. So you've got your, your friends and family and staff member walking around taking laxatives and wearing diapers to yes, test this. Yes, that's right. You've got some good friends, man. I, that's <laughs> okay. all I can say. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Insert a sausage from asshole like that, and we detect sausage all by right. ultrasound. Holy cow. All right. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's hardcore. It's, yeah, but it's hardcore. <laughs> Very, very hard one. And then, <laughs> <laughs> okay. As a result, we, uh, yeah. Okay, let, let's say that that gets you to the equivalent of, a, of an MVP here. But it, at some stage, you've got to do some real yes, clinical that's trials, it, that's right? It, that's it. So when, when do you move on to those? We completed our prototype, and then we asked uh, nursing homes in Japan, so luckily, by our exposure, many, many nursing home managers had uh, interest in our product. And okay. then they contacted us. So we bring our prototype D-free to users. This yeah. is really encouraging because whether it's startups or large companies trying to sell to hospitals and nursing homes, mm-hmm. it is such a conservative, mm-hmm. difficult industry. Mm-hmm. And the fact that they were so open to trying something new, I find really encouraging. Mm-hmm. Do you think it was because you're solving a really unique problem? Mm-hmm. Or do you think that Japan is changing and they, they're open to trying new things and mm-hmm. new devices in general? Yeah, it's both. Yeah? Yeah. This excretion care is very important programs. And aging population is super huge. Yeah, and nah, getting bigger nah. in Japan. But the worker is uh, getting down, the yeah. youngest. Right now in Japan, about 25% of the population yeah, yeah. is yeah, over yeah. 60? Yeah, yeah. So we have to find uh, more effective solutions. How was it working with these companies? Because I'm sure they're not used to working with beta products and untested products. Mm-hmm. For different, it's mm-hmm. not difficult. 
but for the nursing homes and for the hospitals. Mm -hmm. No, 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 no. It's easy for us. Our waiting list is more than hundred thousand people. That's fantastic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Are they mostly hospitals? Or are they mostly nursing homes? In nursing homes. Nursing homes. At the first. All right. It's mm -hmm. been a year since the initial announcement. Mm -hmm. You've been able to collect a lot of data. Mm -hmm. What kind of accuracy does, does DFree give? We are developing now. We implement uh, machine learning algorithms. The accuracy is getting better. Okay. For example, as of today, can you say a number in terms of the accuracy of to predict within the next 10 minutes, say? Mm -hmm. So it depends on the people. The accuracy is not good for like uh, fatty guys. Oh, right, because it's ultrasound. Yeah, yeah, So yeah. it makes the fatter you are, the harder it is to see. Ah, That's got it. right. That's right. So, yeah, we are correcting a lot of variety of people and getting better. You're not ready to give a specific percentage accuracy or false yes, positives yes, just yes, yet. Yes. Okay. So far, yeah. Fair enough. Mm -hmm. Do your future plans mm -hmm. involve getting this certified as a medical device of some kind? No, we don't want to be a medical device. It depends on market, of course, but now we don't want. And is that just because a, of the the licensing and regulations involved? Uh -huh. Yeah, yeah. It's too much for startup. I I can imagine. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so you're still officially in beta, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yes. So when when are we going into full production here? We start to provide from October. October. Yeah. And I got to say congratulations on the new fundraising. You uh -huh. just raised about $5 million. Yeah, yeah. So Thank I assume you. this is this is the capital you're going to use to go into full production. Uh -huh. That's right. All right. So you've had to slip the release several times mm -hmm. over the last year. Mm -hmm. What were the biggest challenges? What caused you to slip the release over the last year? The most difficult is team building. Kuzuryu uh, joined the uh, just this April. Your CTO? Yeah, yeah, yeah. She has a lot of experience to manufacture. We did not have uh, such a kind of people in our team uh, by this year. The problem was just you couldn't get the right staff or mm -hmm. there, there were more and more technical problems than you thought at first. What, mm -hmm. you know, what, what, what kind of problems did you face that kept setting you back? A lot. <laughs> a lot. <laughs> that's that's I, a fair I can't answer. I can't say yeah. one word. <laughs> everything. Okay. <laughs> like uh, money and uh, products. Yeah, everything, everything. It's uh, <laughs> difficult to get the right person because startup is too weak in Japan. Especially a hardware engineer want to work at a big company. Um, so you're trying to pull out people that have a lot of experience in this and you're trying to get them out of Sony or yeah, Toshiba yeah. or Hitachi. Yeah, yeah, that's right. In Japan, it's still hard to get people yeah, to come yeah, work for yeah. a startup. That's right, that's right. But you actually, managed to do it now. Yeah. So congratulations. Thank you. So yeah, yeah actually, we the most successful, we can hire very good engineer from Toyota and uh, uh, Kuzuri as well. You've worked with Nido uh -huh, and yeah. other government programs. Mm -hmm. Were those programs worthwhile for you? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah that's nice uh, because the nursing home is based on government system. So the Nido program was really your key in accessing the nursing homes? Yeah, kind of, kind of, yeah, yeah. What kind of government programs do you think would be most useful 
to Japanese founders? Yeah, this uh, needle program is good for us because they give us a lot of money, almost、uh, $1 million. Oh, all right. Well, yeah, that, yeah. Is, that is helpful. Yeah, yeah, very, very, very good. Was it mainly just providing funds、mm-hmm. and some intros to nursing homes? Yeah. Did, they, did you get anything else out of the program? They have connection with a big company as well,、mm. interesting in、uh, new business. We need government、uh, people introduce me to them. It's easy to give a proposal to collaboration. Being part of the government NIDO program、mm-hmm. gives you kind of legitimacy. Yes,、uh, yes. It, lets other, it lets the bigger companies and the nursing、mm-hmm. homes take you seriously. Yes, yes. In Japan today, I'd say that's more important than the money. Mm-hmm. Yes.、Um, there's a lot of sources for money, but、mm-hmm. a lot of Japanese startups are struggling with legitimacy. They're struggling、mm-hmm. to get big companies to take them seriously、mm-hmm. and to do business with them.、Mm-hmm. So that might be the most valuable thing you got out of that program. Yes, yes. That's All right.、It. What are your plans for、uh, going global? Of course, we focus on global market because we are getting a lot of inquiry to get from global, more than 20 companies. Countries. At the first, we focus on Europe market. One of the biggest nursing home company contacted me,、uh-huh. and、uh, they want to try it as well. Maybe in this year we go to there to Europe. Europe, fantastic. Yeah, and then we asking FDA. This is medical device or not? How big do you think the global market is? For a device like D3, huge, huge market. Just adult diaper market. It's nine billion dollars. Nine billion dollars. Yeah. Really. And then in 2020, that market gonna be 15 billion dollars. You mentioned、uh, trying to get FDA approval.、Mm-hmm. Do you think you're going to run into problems with certification、mm-hmm. uh, overseas, or do you think it will be much like it has been in Japan? Uh, actually, in Japan, I asked government. They told us it's not medical device, just consumer device. Okay. So we can sell as a consumer goods. Maybe in Europe, this is not medical device. It's not for like a cure or diagnosis. Not not for medical. Okay. Yeah. But in the U.S., it's a very gray zone. All right. So we are asking、uh, some consultant for FDA. Now, let let me back up and talk about just you for a minute and about、mm-hmm. startups in general. You spent some time in California at Berkeley,、mm-hmm. working with startups in San Francisco,、mm-hmm. and working with startups here in Japan. What do you see as the biggest differences, both good and bad, between、mm-hmm. what's happening in Tokyo now and what's、mm-hmm. happening in San Francisco? In Japan,、uh, this is a good point. In Japan, the hiring cost for engineer is very affordable. That's yeah. Yeah, there. Yeah, San Francisco is a little crazy now. Yes, yes, and、uh, this accommodation as well. There are a lot of electronic engineers in Japan. Yeah, that's yeah, true. It's, I think it's、uh, more than San Francisco. I think you're right, and in, in fact, I think that this kind of Internet of Things is something that Japan is going to be very, very strong in、mm-hmm. in the in the coming years. Yes, for, yes, for exa- that、right. exact reason. The There is a whole generation of people who just love to tinker and play with electronics.、Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's right. In 
Japanese engineer is very detailed. So in total, the cost to product is lower than Silicon Valley. Actually, that's a really good point. Hardware engineering, it's different than software engineering in that point. Mm -hmm. and, and Japanese engineers, both hardware and software, are, let's say, a bit more obsessive than mm -hmm. American engineers about getting it exactly right. Mm -hmm. With hardware, though, that, that attention to detail, mm -hmm. it's really important. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah, I think that is one of the reasons that IoT is going to be strong here. Yes, yes. Excellent. You started this company in San Francisco and moved it to Tokyo. Mm -hmm. And there's recently been this trend of Japanese companies mm -hmm. moving to Silicon Valley. Mm -hmm. Why did you come back to Japan? And why do you think so many Japanese companies are moving to California? The reason I come back to Japan is Japan's VC wanted to invest to our company earlier than VC in Silicon Valley. Okay. So that's right. I so you, you just buy. had more investor interest here? Yes, that's right. Do you plan on moving back to San Francisco or is Tokyo going to be your world headquarters? Tokyo is uh, R&D center. And then we plan to go San Francisco again as a marketing headquarters okay. in all over the world. All right. Yeah. Well, listen, before we wrap up, uh -huh. I want to ask you what I call my magic wand question. If I gave you a magic wand uh -huh. and I said you could change anything about Japan, the education system, the way people think about risk, uh -huh. anything at all to make it better for startups here, what would you change? We want to change the regulation. If I uh, get the certification uh -huh. of an electronic device, uh, like Bluetooth, we can sell all over the world. Right, right. Like that. That's one regulation for uh, all over the world. Uh, so Japan has a lot of unique... Yeah, special yeah. regulations? Not, not so special, oh. but, but we apply a lot of places, countries. Yeah, patent as well. So what kind of regulations would you change? Do you, you mean change them or you just, it would be better if there were global standards that yes, everyone followed? Yes, yes. One apply. Okay. Uh, okay. okay. Yeah. <laughs> so you would change... You you take your magic wand and make it work on the whole world. Yes, yes, yes. That's right. <laughs> and just say, well, it's it's a magic wand, so yeah. Um, and just make it one regulatory system for everyone. Yes. Well, yes. that would make life easier. And one money? No, yeah, you know, no dollars. <laughs> just one. Just one. <laughs> and one one. <laughs> one we, language. Well, we definitely need a magic wand for that. Yeah. <laughs> one language is fine. <laughs> Hey, well, listen, thanks so much for sitting Thank down with me. So it's really fun. Thank you, too. <laughs> and we're back. Okay, Atsushi and the team are hardcore. From now on, any time a founder starts complaining about how hard they are pushing themselves to get their product launched or how much they've had to sacrifice and how they have no work-life balance, I'm simply going to say, well... Let me tell you about what some friends of mine had to do with a sausage in order to alpha test their product. In all seriousness, I think DeFree represents the most important kind of Internet of Things innovation, and one that is often overlooked in San Francisco because of its focus on flash and change-the-world ideas. Devices like DeFree coupling inexpensive sensors 
with the significant processing power of the mobile phone and backed up with some cloud cycles when needed to solve clear, definable, real-world problems. The Internet of Things does not have to be about massive sensor arrays or extensive social media involvement. The best IoT devices will be the ones that make our lives better without the intrusion of social networks or viral marketing. I mean, I'm fairly certain DFree will never need to connect to your social media accounts, but it does bring a new meaning to the term push notification. It'll be interesting to see how DFree does in production and what level of accuracy the team will be able to achieve in practice. In any event, they're a dedicated team with an innovative product, and I'm sure we'll be hearing a lot more from them very soon. Now for the important updates. DFree, or rather Triple W, its parent company, is one of those rare, steady-growth startups where things actually seem to be working out as planned. They've raised additional funding for continued expansion. They continue to grow their nursing home and hospital customer base in Japan. Their product has won a ton of awards over the past two years, including the best of CES in the U.S. this year. And they've also expanded into both the U.S. and the French markets. Now, what's interesting about how the media has covered DeFree over the past few years is that they actually seem to get a lot more praise for being innovative from the press when they could be framed as this crazy Internet of Poop startup. Now that the company is maturing and growing and competing as one of the many serious companies in the healthcare industry, the story seems somehow less interesting. Or maybe at least less fun. And yeah, yeah, I admit... I'm guilty of this myself. Five years of podcasting and social media means my headlines can get a bit clickbaity sometimes. I'm, I'm not faulting the media for trying to make everything seem new and revolutionary and innovative. That, that's how the game's played. That's how they attract readers. But you and I, we know better. Innovation isn't always cool. It isn't always fun. But innovation, progress, and profits are, are not supposed to be about having fun. It's about adding value and building businesses. And if we're lucky, we get to have a bit of fun in the process. If you want to talk about the Internet of Things, or poop, I suppose, Atsushi and I would love to hear from you. So come by DisruptingJapan.com and let's talk about it. And if you get the chance, please check us out on LinkedIn or Facebook. And even better, you know, if you like the show, tell people about it. The way Disrupting Japan has grown is not by social media marketing or advertising, but because listeners like you enjoy it, and they tell their friends about it. But most of all, Thanks for listening. And thank you for letting people interested in Japanese startups know about the show. I'm Tim Romero, and thanks for listening to Disrupting Japan.